MSNBC says that pro-lifers are basically just like the Taliban. Uh, because, you know, both groups hate and deny freedom to women. Ah yeah, sticking to the old liberal script of accusing your political opponents of the very thing you're guilty of. Like the Taliban, the abortion industry, the activist media, and the Democrat Party support genital mutilation of children and decapitation of the innocents who get in their way. Since we're making Taliban comparisons, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, I want to start the show just by saying what, a, obviously, we're all horrified and heartbroken at what we see happening overseas right now in Afghanistan in the Kabul airport with thousands of Americans who've been abandoned on the airstrip as well as uh, many of the Afghans there who are allies to us um, and have been um, abandoned and are now being targeted by the Taliban. Uh, truly heartbreaking what's happening. What's so frustrating about it is that conservatives warned the country, the Democrat Party and registered Democrats, that one of the many things that would happen in a Biden administration was a weakening of our foreign policy. And now we're reaping the consequences of that. We really hate to say we told you so, but that is certainly happening. And everything that we've said that would happen on abortion as well has also been happening. But, you know, our news cycle is so absolutely nuts right now, isn't it? And yet, one thing that always remains the same is that the left, the activist media, the Democrat Party, I mean, this is just, they're all the same thing, right? They're all part of the same establishment. They will always accuse their opponents of the very thing they're guilty of, right? Whether it was collusion with, you know, the Russians or the Ukrainians. Oh, oh wait, you mean uh, that Biden's been super compromised through donations to his son? Uh, you know, whatever it is, whether it's uh, the gentle mutilation of children like the Taliban do, um, with abortion, with whatever they accuse you of, you can probably bet that that's exactly what they're guilty of. So they have to distract from what the real story is in order to distract you and to, um, to get vitriol and hatred going against conservatives, right? Because you have to demean the Republican Party and the conservative base because if you don't demean them, Oh, well, their arguments kind of make a lot of sense, don't they? Well, nowhere has this become more clear than this new MSNBC piece by Dean Obadala, uh, not who, sure who he is, piece called Afghan Women's Rights <clears throat> Are Threatened, But the GOP Is Not Their Champion. This was written on August 18th, and uh, he, he commits this exact flaw, right? Rather than focusing on the conservative arguments for true equality <laughs> and the rights of all individuals, both in the womb and outside the womb, this writer, Dean, says that, well, it's really the Republicans and the GOP who hate women. Of course, he'll say nothing about his party's complicity in celebrating and champion, championing of gentle mutilation of minors because they feel like they're the other gender or the killing of preborn women. And so uh, I want to cover a few pieces from this. Usually I wouldn't make this type of attack. I, I probably wouldn't usually go out of my way to say that Democrats in the abortion industry are just like the Taliban. Um, but if we're going to be making Taliban comparisons and demeaning pro-lifers who seek to protect the unborn and restore their legal protections, um, and if we're going to label them as, as Taliban-like terrorists in America, um, then I think the comparisons are actually much more aptly made in the other direction to the Democratic Party, the party of death, the party 
of abortion. And so Dean Obadala, writing at MSNBC, says, over the last few days, the airways have been filled with Republicans voicing their deep concern over the rights of the women of Afghanistan. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy put out a statement sounding alarm bells that women, quote, will suffer the most for the loss of human rights under the Taliban's rule. Representative Steve uh, Chabot, the self-described dean of Ohio GOP congressional delegation, appeared Sunday on NPR declaring that under Taliban rule, the lives of women and girls, quote, are going to be reduced and condemned to slavery. Dean continues and says, and yet I have to wonder where these voices were when extremists, based on a narrow reading of their religion's beliefs, enacted a law that forces a woman who was raped to carry the fetus of the rapist to term. That same law makes it a crime for anyone to assist that woman in trying to abort the rapist fetus. So you see, if you believe that your human value isn't based on the circumstances of your conception, and a child in the womb who was conceived through rape, and a child conceived in the womb that was not conceived through rape, are both equally valuable because they're still human beings with intrinsic dignity, and you want to protect those children in the womb, you're a Taliban terrorist because you hate women, don't you see? He continues and says, we all must be alarmed about what the future may hold for the women of Afghanistan. Right, so now here's the pivot, right? I really care about these women too, but I also care about the women in America because I want to support their right to murder their own offspring who are in many times pre-born women. Uh-huh, that's how loving I am, right? Here's, here's the play, right? It's to show that the Democrat Party is a party of compassion. They're the ones that really care about the rights of minorities, the oppressed, and women. Uh, but the GOP doesn't give two bleeps about them. When the Taliban last ruled the country from the mid-1990s to 2001, they horrifically banned women from attending school, working or going outside without male chaperones, along with other oppressive measures, all enforced by beatings or worse. These grotesque rules are based on the Taliban's perversion of Islam, as experts have noted. Uh, you'll notice the left do this a lot. They'll try to cover for Islam because if you actually read the Quran, the, the, um, the Quran actually, and therefore the religion of Islam, does actually condone religious violence in Allah's name. Um, but they'll always cover for that, right? Because Islam is a, you know, it's a, it's a minority religion and it's filled with minority ethnicities. And so they check intersectional boxes. And so we'll stay quiet and cover for their heinous crimes against humanity because we can use them as sort of political puppets to strengthen our regime. But if you're a Christian, regardless of your skin color, you know, we'll label you as a bigot, right? Um, or as they're labeling Larry Elder right now, a black-white supremacist. But they'll cover for this type of, of horrific acts against individuals, and they'll say, it's just a perversion of Islam. It, it's not actually living up to the, to the Quran. He says, look, nobody is saying the GOP and the Taliban are equally bad, right? There, there's his goodwill statement saying, I'm not really saying they're the same, but they're kind of the same. <laughs> he says, but in just the past few months, we've seen Republicans champion measures to deprive women of freedom over their own bodies. That's a euphemism for killing what's inside of their body, a human being, as well as opposed laws to protect women from violence and ensure that women are paid the same wages as men. By the way, it is um, against the law to, um, to pay a woman less for the same job that a man has. Okay, so that's, that's already illegal. Um, so I don't know what he's talking about. And they've done so, at least in part, to impose their religious beliefs on others. There it is, right? Aha, uh -huh, there it is. The GOP is a theocracy. 
And if you vote for Republicans, you're part of a theocracy. You're trying to create a state religion. And if people don't abide by the state religion, then well, what are you going to do? Are you going to force them to convert? Huh? Are you going to go on a crusade and threaten to murder those who don't convert to your religion? Well, let, let's be clear. There's only one state religion in America today. It's called secular progressivism, secular humanism. That is the state religion of America. All right, man is fundamentally a religious being. As Cardinal Manning brilliantly points out, um, all human conflict is ultimately theological. All of the, the major questions we ask and debate in this republic about eternity, about where rights come from, about why we're different from animals and trees, uh, these are fundamentally religious questions. Man's a religious animal. Um, and just because you claim there is no God or in Nietzsche's uh, vein that God is dead, um, you're still coming up with religious answers to those questions. You either deify yourself, you treat the government as God. Um, there, it's still a religious answer to religious questions because we're fundamentally religious beings. And the left holds very strange religious types of views about the soul, that you can have a human body, but the human body's not you, and just you is the soul, and so like the real you is actually inside, so we've never seen the real you, and so that's why boys can be girls if they feel like they're a girl inside. That's a very strange view of the soul. And it's certainly more of a religious perspective, one that's been deemed a heresy by the church. My point is, that's the only state religion in America today. But they're saying, these Republicans, oh my gosh, they're trying to impose their religion on society. Now notice, uh, this author, he doesn't, he doesn't cite a single um, Republican or conservative who's saying that the only reason why pro-life laws should be instituted is because the Bible says that babies are image bearers of God. Because actually the fundamental argument of pro-lifers is that the science is clear that from the moment of conception, there's a unique individual human being separate from their mother that's never existed before and will never exist again. And so that individual has rights because if human rights begin when we're human and human life begins at the moment of conception, then human rights begin at the moment of conception. But of course, he has to straw man our argument and make us look like some type of oppressive theocrats, kind of like the Taliban, right? So you see how he's trying to draw that that line between the two. Pretty disgusting, right? Pretty sick. While he covers for Islam and says, oh, the Taliban is just a perversion of Islam. It's just like a tiny little sect that's kind of getting um, Islam wrong. You know, but let's not, let's not demean the religion because, uh, you know, writ large, it's really a very nonviolent religion. So he continues and said, if the GOP wants to show that it is sincerely concerned with the rights of the women in Afghanistan, it can start by first championing the human rights of women in the U.S., but instead, it is doing all it can to prevent gender equality while oppressing women based on its members' extreme religious beliefs. Sound familiar? That's how he finishes the article. Sound familiar, oppressing people based off of your extreme religious beliefs? Well, it's not an extreme religious belief to say that human life begins at the moment of conception, therefore pre-born human beings should be protected. The extreme religious belief is the extreme religious belief that, that Dean Obadallah holds here at MSNBC, and the entire liberal establishment, which says that the real you is not your body, it's your soul, and your soul comes to be when you have rationality, self-awareness, and cognitive abilities, and because the unborn child doesn't have that yet in the womb, they're not a person. That's the very extreme and strange religious perspective. Um, but of course, he won't be calling for his own political bigotry and religious bigotry, which masquerades as science, to be banned from political discourse. He'll just label his political opponents' positions the same 
in order to ostracize them. Do you see? Accuse your opponents of the very thing that you're guilty of in order to distract the American public from your true bigotry. But what's very interesting about this, of course, is that if we're going to start making Taliban comparisons, the Democratic Party, the abortion industry, the liberal establishment, they support the same two things that we hate so much about the Taliban which is genital mutilations and decapitations or dismemberment, the killing of those who are innocent. And if you're hearing the stories coming out of Afghanistan, you'll know that they are decapitating and crucifying Christians. They genitally mutilate uh, young women um, because they believe that that's somehow purifying to them or how they should uphold their religion and their, um, their very chauvinist approach to government, that, that men are more valuable and men should be in control. And of course, that's, that's, that's been true in a lot of societies for many, many years. It's America that made that more unique and exceptional, that began treating men and women truly as equal and upholding um, all of their natural rights before the law, which would require banning abortion, which is not a human right at all. But the uh, American liberals and Democrats also support genital mutilations and decapitations just in under euphemisms that make it sound more socially acceptable. So Jonathan Von Maren, uh, my friend who has a podcast at LifeSite News and writes there, he puts this very well. I just want to read to you the, sort of the last article of a piece he re recently wrote. He said, there is something very revealing about the fact that so many progressives see the plight of Afghans as an opportunity to condemn their political opponents. For progressives, freedom means aborting 65 million babies, the eradication of sexual morals, and facilitating sex changes for minors. But for persecuted Christians in Afghanistan, freedom means something quite different. Obadallah's column is a good example of where progressive sympathies actually lie. Exactly, they're not really coming out in nearly the same volume and vein against the Taliban's crimes against humanity as they are uh, against the Republicans' alleged crimes against humanity when we say uh, you shouldn't kill pre-born women in the womb. So they're perfectly fine with decapitations as long as you're a human in your mother's womb and through no fault of your own are unwanted. They have no problem with genital mutilation of minors. Maybe even if you believe some of the radical voices in the Democratic Party, maybe even against the wishes of their parents because their parents are bigots, right? Their parents are not affirming their minors, their child's gender identity. So we have to take scissors and we have to chop up your minor to make her body feel like how she is on the inside because that's their strange religious view. The real you is not your body. Um, they're fine with that genital mutilation. So they do very much the same things that the Taliban do. And I'll actually take it a step further and I'll make this statement. I'll actually contend and argue that the Democratic Party, the abortion industry, and the abortion rights movement are significantly more evil than the Taliban. If you believe that human life begins at the moment of conception, if you merely affirm reality, then those human beings have just as much dignity and rights as those of us this side of the womb which would mean that it's just as wrong to kill a human in the womb as it is to kill a human outside the womb. And if that's the case, then the fact that we have killed 63 million humans is, is evil regardless of where those humans were located. Do you see what I mean? It wouldn't have mattered if it was 63 million infants, 63 million toddlers, or 63 million pre-born humans. Well, that's a level of slaughter and killing that the Taliban can't really wrap their mind around. I think the Taliban would bow the knee 
to the Democrat Party and Roe versus Wade and say, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. How could you institute that type of genocide under socially acceptable norms and terms in America? You're amazing, Democrat Party. How did you do it? How did you invert reality and indoctrinate the American public with the genocide under euphemisms and then get them to celebrate it? Can you come teach us? Can you import some of that American libertinism to Afghanistan? So if, if we're gonna be making Taliban comparisons, let's be very clear. Not only are there more comparisons to make between the Taliban and the liberal establishment and those who champion abortion, but they actually take the cake when it comes to crimes against humanity. But I want to get to one other point. Again, I, this is not a podcast I usually would have done. I wouldn't have gone out of my way to say Democrats are the real Taliban terrorists. But if they're going to label pro-life individuals, most of whom are the most unselfish individuals I've ever met, who often abandoned well-paying jobs or didn't seek well-paying careers in order to end abortion, and they're going to label those people as, as, as morally equivalent to Taliban terrorists, then let's be very clear where the only location and party and individual that those comparisons lie. And we're seeing this also in the fight over the abortion pill and the removal of safety standards on the abortion pill such that now you can get your abortion pills in your mailbox via snail mail. And I've talked to you about this on the show before. You no longer need to show up for an in-person evaluation with a physician before getting the abortion pill. And so pro-abortion legislators, according to Live Action News, August 23rd, and Marie Williams writing, they're pressuring the FDA to permanently remove abortion pill safety protocols. Now, let me give you a brief overview of the last uh, year, year and a half, okay? In May of 2020, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, a radical pro-abortion group, go listen to my recent episode with Dr. Brent Bowles, called The Abortion Group That Masquerades as Obstetricians, ACOG and other abortion-supporting groups sued the HHS and the FDA under the Trump administration with ACLU lawyers to challenge the FDA's Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy Rule, the REMS Rule. The REMS rule said that you could only get the abortion pill after an in-person evaluation with a physician. The reason for this was twofold. To make sure the woman didn't have an ectopic pregnancy, because if the baby was implanted in the fallopian tube, that pregnancy continuing will take her life, or taking an abortion pill will likely take her life as well. So you need to make sure that she didn't have an ectopic pregnancy before you gave her a pill that would kill her baby. Notice, this wasn't even about the rights of the child. We should ban the abortion pill because it kills little humans in the womb. This was only to protect the mother. The second reason was because many women are wrong about their gestational age. And I talk to OBGYNs all the time. In fact, some studies have found that up to 50% of women will be um, anywhere from about one to six weeks off of how far along they think they are. Well, the abortion pill is only supposed to be taken through 10 weeks. So if a woman thinks that she's eight weeks pregnant, but she's really 11 or 12 and she takes the abortion pill, that can lead to incomplete abortions, floating dead baby pieces in mom's uterus, making her susceptible to infection, sepsis, and death. Wow, it's almost like we should support the safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill, even if we're pro-choice, huh? Because we don't want to unnecessarily harm the health of women, right? Because universal, I mean, universal healthcare, right? Reproductive healthcare, right? Women's right to healthcare means we want to protect their health. And that's why we're willing to compromise their health on the altar of abortion access? Exactly, because it was never about the health of women, was it? Then in July 13th, on July 13th uh, in 2020, a federal judge suspended the rule requiring women during COVID to visit a hospital, clinic, or medical office to obtain the abortion pill, otherwise known as RU486. The reason for this was so that they 
could they could get what they always wanted, which was abortion on demand via snail mail. Um, because they knew that the abortion pill was cheap to manufacture. You could sell at high margins. It didn't require an in-person evaluation. You didn't have to pay a lease on an abortion clinic building. You get rid of the need for abortion staff. You get rid of the third-party costs of the people who come in with the hazardous waste containers to take away the dead baby. Because now the toilet bowls and the American sewage system are your abortion dispensal system. So do you see all the costs that the abortion industry gets rid of? and then all the um, money that they're able to make because of the abortion pill. Then on January 12th of this year, while Trump was still in office, the Supreme Court granted a request from the FDA to reinstate the federal requirement that the abortion pill be picked up in person during or after an in-person evaluation. And pro-lifers were grateful for this. But as I said <coughs> back in January, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that because the <coughs> Biden administration was about to come into office, <coughs> I told you then that it was basically predictable that that administration was going to then remove the FDA's safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill once again, because that would obviously is the most pro-abortion political administration in American history. Okay, <clears throat> so that's your overview of what's happened recently. Um, because and, and then in January, February, the Biden administration did what I predicted and they, they lifted the safety regulations once again under the argument that they needed to do so because of the pandemic, right? They argued that if women had to go into an in-person evaluation with a physician before getting the abortion pill, that would expose her to COVID. What, with one physician in a room where they're both wearing masks, right? I've been told that masks are magical talismans, that they magically protect you. So why are you worried, abortion industry? But that was their argument, right? That was how they were, they were sort of disguising their bigotry and their true motivations was, it's for women's health, we don't want them to get COVID, right? So the abortion bill has been being shipped all around the country ever since. Well, now, Live Action News reporting on August 23rd, Pro-abortion legislators are now pressuring the FDA to permanently remove the abortion pill safety protocols. They're very afraid that the temporary lifting of the protocols because of the pandemic won't stay forever, right? And so they want to make sure that they get what they always want, which is the abortion pill shipped all around the country, unable to save those children, cheap to manufacture, and you can sell them at high margins. Spearheaded by committee chairwoman Carolyn Maloney <coughs> from Democrat from New York, Representative Representative Diana DeJet from uh, Colorado, Representative Barbara Lee, California, and Representative Ayanna Presley, Massachusetts. The, resol the resolution aims to permanently undo FDA safety regulations that have been in place for the dispensing of the abortion pill since the Clinton administration. Representative Maloney says, it's time that we trust the science. Oh gosh, you tired of that term? And ensure access to safe legal abortion, particularly for communities where abortion care has been historically pushed out of reach. Okay, here's their race card, right? Communities and minorities that live farther away and can't necessarily get an abortion because they don't live five minutes from downtown where there's an abortion clinic, they're disadvantaged. That's inequity. That's inequality. So for the rights of minority that we kind of want to kill and eliminate, but shh, don't tell Margaret Sanger that, uh, we need the abortion pill shipped everywhere so that they can get it in their mailbox, okay? She says, I plan to continue this fight until everyone can freely exercise their right to access abortion, including medication abortion. NBC further quoted Dr. Jennifer Villasencio of Michigan, a fellow in lead for equity transformation at ACOG, right, the Pro-Abortion American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. NBC failed to acknowledge, however, that Villasencio profits financially by committing chemical abortions and thus has a significant conflict of interest in commenting on the safety of the abortion pill. 
She called the safety dispensing requirements, quote, not scientifically based or needed, and said they create a barrier for people to access this medication in a political environment where it is already very difficult to obtain an abortion. Again, her concern is obviously with only expanding access to abortion because she'll financially benefit. Now, it's interesting. The liberal establishment and Democrat Party's treatment of women through their, um, through their focus on expanding the abortion pill seems to be almost like a Taliban-like treatment of women, huh? Like almost treating women as disposable and less than, whose health and safety in life they're happy to compromise or target in order to maintain abortion access and their greatest sacrament, abortion. Uh, Politico reported a few months ago, acting FDA Commissioner Janet Woodcock informed ACOG in a letter that her agency concluded the following, that allowing patients to receive the pills via telemedicine and through the mail will not increase risks and will keep people safe from contracting the virus. As our friend Dr. Brent Bowles made a great statement in a prior interview, he made the point that the chance of a woman of reproductive age contracting and dying from COVID-19, okay, a woman of reproductive age dying from COVID-19 is less likely than that same woman getting injured or dying from an undiagnosed and ruptured ectopic pregnancy thanks to telemedicine abortions, right? Because no more in-person evaluation. Therefore, you can identify if she has a tubal pregnancy. Therefore, she will likely get harmed or will die at home after taking the abortion pill because she didn't know she had an ectopic pregnancy. Because reproductive-aged young women are very unlikely to die from COVID, she's actually more likely to die from an undiagnosed and ruptured ectopic pregnancy than from COVID thanks to telemedicine abortion. <laughs> well, it's almost like they're willing to sacrifice women, huh? On the altar of abortion, almost like a Taliban-like treatment of women. That women are kind of disposable and kind of less than the political elites who are in control. Well, if we're making Taliban comparisons. This is a huge point I want to finish up on here too. When we talk about Me Too and women and protecting women and believing victims, right? And going after the degenerates who target women. Well, guess what? Do you know what we're having happen all around the country right now? Men are getting the abortion pill online via telemedicine thanks to the FDA lifting these safety regulations with these Democrats pressure them into doing because there's no way for those on the other side, the physician or the selling, those selling the abortion pill to confirm that it's a woman, a pregnant woman who's getting the abortion pill. So do you know what's happening? Stories all around the country. Boyfriends are getting the abortion pill because they don't want their girlfriend to have the baby that she's pregnant with and they're slipping the abortion pill into her drink. Isn't that lovely? Wow, look at that. Men are killing their own children and abusing their girlfriends, and she didn't choose that, so it's not a pro-choice decision. And they have no problem with that. Telemedicine appointments don't allow the physician to control the environment of the room or know who is hovering behind the computer screen, as many traffickers as well use abortions to keep their slaves active so they're not burdened by a pregnancy that keeps them from working at the brothel as slaves. Uh, but... Yeah, Democrats are fine enabling those traffickers with the abortion pill. And of course, the FDA has reported that 24 women have reportedly died from the abortion pill. There's tons of unreported adverse events from the abortion pill because they're not reported to the abortion industry. And chemical abortions have a fourfold higher rate of complications, according to the study from the National Library of Medicine, a fourfold higher rate of complications than first trimester surgical abortions. So the medication abortion, telemedicine, pills that kill your baby is four times more dangerous and has a fourfold higher rate of complications 
than uh, a surgical abortion in the first three months of a woman's pregnancy. And yet the abortion industry, the Democratic Party, the liberal establishment, and the activist media are perfectly fine putting into place laws and standards that will actually further harm the very women that they say that they're advocates for. Well, if we're making Taliban comparisons. Thanks so much for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to support the show, help us increase the production value and reach more people, go to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. Become a patron of the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs>